0: darkness my old friend i've come to talk with you again because a vision softly creeping
1: left it's weird while i was or sleeping take off once again welcome to jet Splendid fuel the jets discord podcast the party hey, has been disbanded
0: are, are, did, did we let southwest organize this flight <laughs>
1: <laughs> the party has been disbanded we are left on the runway I'd like to introduce my co-host as always he is incredibly informative incredibly astute he always handsome he is the assisting offensive quality control coach for your new york football jets none other than matt solard aka king Sliz. liz please eulogize give me give me eulogize this this disappointment this debacle this disgrace if you want to go that far of a season with the way that it's come crashing back down to hold on before you do that before you do that hold on that was the sound of wild turkey 101 that's getting poured in the glass right now but I just man. want to prepare myself for what you're about to say, so. May, made Joe, go, go ahead.
0: Made Joe hit the bourbon, yep. man. Yeah, please. Uh, all I'm saying, I saw Huntington posted a, a position for like a an analytics position for the Eagles, and based on all the titles that you've given me throughout the year, I'm pretty sure I'm just automatically disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just being associated with the Jets disqualifies me up front, but. Um Yeah, certainly being a being an assistant offensive quality control coach uh, that doesn't doesn't help the merits of my my just, case here.
1: Just wait till you put extremely average podcast host on there too. You know that'll be uh not you being average the podcast as a whole. But so let's 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 kick it off because you know I'm not one to take victory laps. For being honest, I it's you know I've said on this podcast I said it a while ago. I fully expected this team to go 0-4 the remainder of the season. They're sitting 0-3 right now. With you're just an 0-5. You're yeah. 5
0: So you're, yeah, I mean you're 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 underselling yourself here.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, you know, like I said, I don't I don't take victory laps, but watching the Jets for so long, beyond the numbers, beyond the analytics, I know the juju is stupid. We don't believe in that stuff, right? Like it's unquantifiable, so it doesn't matter. But you get a sense when the vibe is off, right? You get just the general feel when the vibe around the team is not right. And that's the way I was feeling. And we're going to talk about why, but that's the way I've been feeling for a, a while now with this team. And to see the way that they've completely fold, it's not just a matter of they were playing close competitive games. To see the way that this team has folded got me questioning everything about this organization right now. It's got me questioning Robert Sala and his hold and, and how much boots to asses he needs to put on this team. It's got me questioning Joe Douglas and the job that he's done so far. It's got me questioning if they have the talent to take it to the next level. It, it's just everything about it right now. And this is probably hyper doomer. And I understand that. But the way that this team has folded got me feeling a certain type of way. So I don't know where you stand on it. And it's probably irrational right now, Sliz, but seeing the way that this team folded again is, is just, it's not acceptable period.
0: And it, it's the, I mean, you're spot on. It's the manner in which they showed up to, right? And, and the scoreboard hasn't looked bad, but the past two games, our defenses got their butts kicked coming right out of the gate. Right, Offenses looked, lifeless for weeks regardless of quarterback regardless of injury it's just looked lifeless all all the way and you know i'm i've been probably one of the bigger michael fleur defenders in the space and no like i don't think there's a lot he can do quite frankly but it's just like not even trying to manufacture stuff Right. right um it's just like like special teams the wheels have fallen off this is our worst special teams year in a long time just in general and 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 we've had some bad years with place kicking but in terms of like punting punt returning coverage like it's been bad this year that that's supposed to be a strength that's something we we have invested in special teams not only at kicker but drafting a punter carrying justin hardy as a specialist um carrying Eccles and jeff smith as specialists as coverage guys like we even i don't know it it all phases man it's brutal it's absolutely brutal and and we've had two games in a row now where you can turn it off at halftime and not even sweat it and yep. you're, you're doing yourself a favor and, yep. and these are 500 teams we're playing that we should be at bar at least competitive with at least competitive with the, the last three games, at least competitive with right the Lions, the Jags and the Seahawks. Right. Three 500 teams that are neck and neck with us record wise. We're all in similar ish places on a rebuild. And we look lifeless, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Like those teams are clearly arrow pointed up. We started a real high up. And it came right back down.
1: I mean, it's always fair to reevaluate expectations, right? And we always say it on this podcast, Liz, we'll never be successful because we're too reasonable, right? It's always fair to reassess expectations. I think entering this season, most Jets fans said this is probably around a seven-win team. I think my prediction on the sporting news was a seven-win team. So to see them at that mark now, okay, fine, whatever, right? Like, but it's the manner in which you get there. That's always going to be different, right? If you were to say before the season, the Jets are going to be a seven win team. You'd probably take that, right? But, but you'd say, well, the Jets will be a seven win team and you'll have an answer at Zach, like with the arrow trending up where he's going to look rough at times, but he's going to look like the guy, the defense will start the year slow against you know, on paper, tougher opponents, theoretically, and then figure it out as the season goes on. And they'll finish strong because the second half of the schedule will be more beneficial for them. But it's been the complete opposite. Like everything Mm -hmm. has been opposite. They started fast. They started strong. Defense looked legit against competition. You know, you want to talk about your, you want to talk about the backup quarterbacks that they played fine, but you still have to take care of business at the end of the day. And they did. They did except against the Patriots and except against, you know, whoever else. But, you know, so it's bad. Let's let's start with the offense because I'm with you in that I've been a pretty big Michael Floor defender for the most part. But the one thing I'll say about Michael Floor is this. I feel like he relies entirely too much on rhythm in the offense. And when things aren't going right, he can't manufacture something to go right. And I understand, and we've said it before, the the pretty thing, the beautiful thing about this offense is that you're running different plays out of similar looks. So you're always setting things up for later in the game, right? But when the game plan isn't working, when your script isn't working as it really hasn't been, when your opening script hasn't been working pretty much the entire season, right? For one reason or another, whether that was Zach missing throws or whether that was the running game can't get going, the offensive coordinator has to take a little bit of heat because while he's been good at adjusting for the most part at halftime throughout the year and really putting his chips out on the table the fact that we haven't seen anything any life at all out of the offense since pretty much the chicago game has been scary to watch
0: and it's it's hard to and admittedly i haven't dug into the formation usage and that sort of stuff as much as i had been doing earlier in the year and or even last year so that's going to be something in kind of post mortis recap as we get into early off season something that's something i'm probably going to sit down break down with some of the guys in the analytics channel but like just comparing how we've progressed throughout the year and certainly a lot of it is injury-based right we've swapped quarterbacks so many times this year we've we've obviously had all the offensive line injuries rotation etc we lost Brees. like we were praising our diverse looks and, and personnel usage earlier in the year right, right. Po- pony package was pony the hottest package, thing in, right. was the hottest thing in football for two to three weeks right yep and then Brees breeze dies avt dies we used it a couple times with ty johnson and michael carter and then it like the package just went away right yep. um you saw kind of flipping back between Mike White and Zach Wilson. It was like almost completely different playbooks in terms of what we're calling, right? And it's like every week it feels like instead of adding and expanding the playbook with the flip-flop back and forth with the inconsistency in the run game and the offense, it's like this playbook's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller until it's like, okay, we have run off. Run left off guard. Run left off tackle. RPO left with a slant, and then just like an out route, right? And that's like that's, and then a tight end screen. And and I think we have been using tight ends more, trying to manufacture tight end usage more. But it's like, I don't know, man. It's just it's just not been good. The quarterback play has been awful. The offensive line play has been awful. And um, like it's 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 to the point where it's like. I have opened the door where Michael LaFleur could be part of the problem, but there or 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 even the problem. But there's so much wrong that it's like I I don't know, right? right? Whereas like last year, it's like okay, Jeff Ulbrich looks like a big part of the problem, but personnel is clearly a big issue too. Give him right. a year with new personnel. It's like man, we've had two years of this on offense. Like what what is it, man? And and, and we've had so many moving pieces, rotating pieces that it's so hard.
1: And, and they've given LaFleur everything you could probably ask for in an offensive coordinator, right? You could debate the offensive line, and we're going to have a discussion about Joe Douglas in a little bit. But you look at, okay, well, he gets his young number one in Garrett Wilson. There's no debating that this guy's a number one, right? He's always open with the ball in his hands. He's electric. Great, excellent route runner. Like He's the guy. He's your number one. You get two tight ends who... They're not going to be the playmaking, higher echelon, you know, Travis Kelsey's, Rob Gronkowski's, Dallas Goddard's of the world, George Kittle, but they're guys who will provide you a safety blanket in the offense. And when things are going right, solid run blockers, they won't be anything spectacular, but they're two halves of a coin, right? Where you can use them how how you'd wish. Then you have the Elijah Moore issue. I'm going to say issue, but he's certainly not been as good as he was last year. And he's a bit of a head case, as we've seen, right? I think part of the issue with Zach being as bad as he was is that all of a sudden it makes Elijah Moore kind of look like maybe he wasn't wrong, but the truth is he was still wrong. People, let's not get revisionist history. You don't do what he did when you're in the middle of a winning streak, right? So you take all of these factors, and the biggest issue has, like you mentioned, Sliz, was the offensive line and the quarterback play. But you take all of these things and you put them together and you take all of the skill position talent and you take, you know, a three headed running back monster. And and I understand Brees gets hurt. But, you know, say what you will about Ty Johnson. He's been fine in spurts this year. He's nothing special. He's nothing spectacular. Michael Carter doesn't look like the same guy as he did last year at all. And I know some of that is the offensive line. But, and, and cause we know that Michael Carter does his best work when he gets to the second level and you can make a, make a guy miss, right? There's only so many times you can make a defender miss at the line of scrimmage period, like full stop. So you take all of that and you put it together, you throw it in the melting pot and you say to yourself, why hasn't it worked? Right. And it's difficult to point a finger at any one guy, because like you said, Zach, Zach's been bad. Mike uh, Mike White has been Mike White is who we thought he was right. Like ultimately, we'll we'll talk about Mike White too. But you put all of that together, and the offense is broken. It's just broken. It reached the point of disrepair, and I don't know what the answer is. I just don't.
0: And and the thing is, and I uh, I. As you were talking through that, I was piecing it together in my head, right? This isn't kind of like a Sam Darnold albatross where you kind of have a a, a mishmash of pieces all over right. the place, right? Like our top three wide receivers, really four wide receivers, um, are guys that this staff picked. Right, We signed Corey Davis in the offseason with this coaching staff. We drafted Elijah Moore. And Garrett Wilson and we extended Braxton Barrios. right these are all guys that we as a staff picked our top three four tight ends are all guys that this staff brought in three of them this year right right our left guard Laken was a guy we brought in AVT of course hurt was having a good season guys that they brought in right um our top two running backs Three running backs, if you include Bam, guys that we brought in. Four if you include J-Rob, right? Right. So right. it's like, you know, this isn't this isn't like we're we dealing with scraps from a previous regime and and you have weird fits and stuff like we did on defense last year, right? right? Like the these are the guys that we wanted to run our scheme. And it's it just hasn't it hasn't looked like professional football offense right. for several games now. And, and regardless of qu- quarterback, like you see backups all around the league, few teams look more dead on offense than the jets. And and those teams are like the Colts. And that might be where the list ends. Right. Um. And, and they're, they're kind of in the same spot as we are. Right. But right. they fired their coach.
1: Right. You know, so the thing that that gets me too, is players play coaches coach. Right. And I'm not, and this is why it's all part of the same New York media. They always want to point at one guy. They want to point at Michael Floor right now, whether that's fair or not. I don't know. I just know that I think he has a little bit more blame in this than maybe we were letting on. But that said, when your offensive line is this bad. There's little you can do, especially when you're an offense that wants to rely on running the football. And when your offensive line isn't getting you any push in the run game ever at all, it's a massive problem. And that leads into the discussion about Joe Douglas. Because four out of the five guys in this offensive line right now were projected starters out of camp. Right? Because Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown comes in originally supposed to be insurance, signed from the gods, Beck and gets hurt. Dwayne Brown's your left tackle. You sign Lake and Tomlinson. Connor McGovern's been here. The staff likes him. AVT was supposed to be your right guard. He gets hurt. Whatever. George Fant hurts his knee, gets his, gets the preseason scope. His knee's not right. We know that it was a rotating door right tackle for most of the season, but he's generally played, and he's been bad. Right? Period. When he's Since he's been back. So, you throw in Ogbog there, who who's back on, on Sunday. Ogbog rides again. But this is that this has been. There's lots of debates about Joe Douglas and whether or not he should get another year. I think he. I think he should. I think he does. But this has been his biggest miss. Period has been the offensive line for a guy that understands that the game is played in the trenches, and for that not to come together, whether it's injuries or what, still an indictment because there's a lot of investment along that offensive line.
0: Yeah, and and it's hard. And and I remember I think following Dwayne Brown news. Um, I pulled up the cap numbers and was kind of laying in at that time, right? And we've kind of seen it playing out all year. But need I remind everyone, we have the most expensive offensive line in the entire league. The most expensive one. We've invested under Joe Douglas, so the past three drafts, we've invested two firsts, two thirds, two fourths, I believe. That's a significant amount of capital, especially considering zero of them are even healthy right now. Um, and I there is a lot of bad luck there, but there's also like when you're touted as an O-line guy, and and it's good to see him prioritize it, but it's like, man, it's been whiffs across the board on right. so many things, and and it adds up, right? And and just in terms of where we're at and why it feels so bad right now. And and I've been critical of almost every single trade-up we've made in the draft. Right. And, and there's something to be said about like, especially this year trade, the trades up trade-ups work because we weren't going to be able to roster 11 players this year. Right. We already, we had to cut a, a million players and they all got claimed on waivers anyway. Right. That's without consolidating our picks. We were having this discussion in the discord. We didn't need to consolidate the premium picks like in the first round, you didn't need to, to to pay round one trade up consolidation. You could have done it, you know, jump up in round three, jump up to the round end of round two, things of that nature where you're, you're getting a lot of that depth filled and you're getting it for cheaper as opposed to paying a Dan Feeney 3.5 million to not even play over LDT.
1: Right. right?
0: Who's been here however long after not playing all year right. to you, like to not, I don't know why, like, I still don't know why we carried Vinnie Curry all year Make, makes absolutely zero sense. So like things like that. And, and just on the offensive line specifically, we consolidated a lot and you're seeing, and you're going to see this off season. We have like nothing to show for it in turn. We have AVT is the only piece that you feel good about on our f- offensive line for probably next year. And certainly, Two years out, right? You hope Max Mitchell develops into something. Um, what that is, I don't know, right? He's a developmental pick, and you you expect him to take two, three years before he's ready. But, yeah, it's like we're, we've come off multiple seasons of investing in the offensive line, and we're staring down the window of it's like, if you don't draft the le- left tackle in round one, what, the, what are we doing? Because yep. we can't afford not to. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, it it's been rough, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and here is the thing, right? Makai Becton, he's still your and I said this about Zach this year, right? He's still your best case scenario. That doesn't mean that he's option one, right? Those are two different things. If Makai Becton gets into shape and his knee is healthy and he comes into camp like next year looking like a mauler, that's a good thing ultimately because if you do draft the left tackle. Then you can slide back into right tackle and you have your tackles potentially set, right? But that's a dangerous game to play. And we saw it this past offseason where, and Sliz, we said it. Becton and hope was not a good plan, period. And I understand that the idea was well, Beckton is gonna be your he's gonna be your right tackle, and Fant is gonna be your left tackle, and Dwayne Brown's gonna be your insurance at left tackle, right? And then you say to yourself, well, Fant and Tomlinson on the left side, AVT on the right side with Beckton cracking skulls is going to be fun to watch, right? But it just didn't materialize that way. And you saw it all season, makeshift offensive lines, right tackle was a disaster. Dwayne Brown looks like the dude's ready to retire, like he's got nothing left. He's cooked. Um, Tomlinson, you can't do anything with him, and he's been bad to slightly below average this year when he remembers how to get off the ball to snap. So listen, it's, it's not pretty. And there, there's a lot of work to be done for Joe Douglas this off season, because you look at the things that have to be fixed. Offensive line linebackers. You need to figure out what you're doing with Elijah Moore, because I I have a feeling that Elijah Moore is going to be a guy that's going to be dangled for, for trade capital with the state of uh, other other spots in this roster, right? You got to figure out what you're doing a quarterback, which is still the biggest problem. You got to figure out, it, it's just there's, for however much things went right in the first half of the season, it's going to go very wrong this offseason if Douglas doesn't hit on everything. Everything, right? And that's the really, really scary part about this because it could go belly up this offseason if things go, don't go right, if they don't figure it out quick. So I don't know, man, it's, it's a bummer because this is not where I'd hope what I'd hope we'd be talking about at this point. I hope we'd be talking about seating scenarios and, you know, but
0: yeah, or even just a winning in against Miami. Right. Right. I mean, silver lining not 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 the uh, worst collapse in the NFL, not even the worst collapse in the division, right? the the Miami Dolphins are bailing us out there, baby.
1: right. I mean, <laughs> and the thing is like we'll we'll talk we'll get to the flight plan later, but it's it's just so painful. <laughs> it's just so painful when you feel like everything is finally turning, when things are going right, Like you get the miracle win at Cleveland and all of a sudden you start stacking, right? I mean, you lose the next game, but then you start stacking and you say to yourself, all right, Zach's getting back. Maybe Zach can figure it out. And then all of a sudden it all turns, it all turns and you go on this losing streak. And what do you, what do you even do?
0: That's why why you play all, uh, all 17, right?
1: Right. (laughs) 18 weeks of pain. Well, really it's been like 10 weeks of pain, but still. I haven't won a game since when? Halloween or November? I forget.
0: Um, whenever we played November. the Bears. Yeah, our right. la- our last win was against Trevor Simeon.
1: <laughs> Brutal. I don't know, man. It's like I I didn't want to do a full postmortem because they still have another game this week. But it's like, what do you even do? Like, what do you even and do with this
0: team right I'm- now? I might not even watch the game. I'll, I'll watch the replay. Oh, no, you got to watch the game. You got to
1: watch the game. You got to watch because I have to send you. I got to send you messages on Discord about this whole about this whole s show. There, you know, there's gotta...
0: there's zero zero upside to right. Sunday's game.
1: Yeah. brutal. We're not going to talk about how the Seahawks and Gino just demolished them. And, and listen, I mean, Jamal Adams, can you keep your mouth shut, please? Like, my God, dude. Please, like, just do us all a favor. We understand your team won, fine. Like, you still have not tasted any success since you've been there. I mean, you got your contract, good for you. But, good God, man, like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Just keep your mouth shut. It,
0: and it, it is, it is slightly refreshing because we've been talking about the about on this podcast for a couple weeks, right? Where I feel like the warts of the defense. Have finally been acknowledged by yes. the fan base at large, right? Yes. And, and you could see and and I thought the Jags did it too. I, you could see a clear downshift in gear from the Seahawks this game in the second half, yep. running a ton of DJ Dallas instead of Ken Walker, just generally playing not to lose and, and burning right. clock, and like it. They they've had the the past couple games they've had multiple super long drives su- lots of explosive plays given up and and like you look at the scoreboard and it's like oh man we only gave up 20 points but it's like man it feels so much worse which you know credit to them a little bit for stiffening in the red zone but it's also like it, it's hard to win games that way too it's hard to win yep. games when you're giving up explosive play touchdowns or explosive plays that get them into touchdown territory when you can't cover anything over the middle of the field. This is the the third game in a row where tight ends have taken us out to the woodshed, man.
1: Here's the thing, and I said it on the last episode on the, on the Jaguars episode in that. So all season, we've kind of been waiting for a team to just attack the second level of our defense, right? Just go after our linebackers. And instead teams have been challenging sauce and DJ Reed all year, all year, like, you could get things into this, you can get things in between the safeties, fine. But we've been saying all year if you can if you can just attack like run shallow crossers all game, like you will beat this team because yeah. with, with no like true pass rush too out, out on the edges, right? All of a sudden, like you open up that middle of the field, those the inside you attacking linebacker, and we've been saying it all year. That's been the weak spot. That's been the weak spot all year. And it's like teams finally figured it out, but you know, thinking.
0: it's not. It's not like we're uh, Kobe Parkinson's a world beater tight end either, right. dude. Like right. we're making these guy, we're making th- these guys look far better than they are, man. Yeah,
1: brutal, just
0: pain. Uh, at, at just least, pain. At, at least on the defensive side, and, and maybe a little bit later, I'll, I'll, we'll say some positive stuff. No. But at least on the defense side, it, it's like very clear where you need to make improvement. Like, right. I, I'm not really worried about the defense because I do think it's a, a, a relatively easy fix that you can do with with a normal amount of capital. Right. Um, offense, though, man, I I don't know, man. O, right. Offense is just, I, I've thrown my hands up. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no matter what we try, every year is the same. I saw a tweet earlier that this is the third season in a row where our starting quarterback has less than, where we don't have a quarterback above 10 touchdown throws. Right. Third season in a row, like that's embarrassing. We we can't keep a starter healthy for even close to 16 games. Like, we, I I just don't even know, man. You just throw your hands up, it's ridiculous. It's
1: just like, like you said, I mean, the good, I guess, the good thing on the offensive side of the ball is that you know that Garrett Wilson's good, Corey Davis is still kind of a question mark. Like, he's a bargain, right? But if you could save money, then it might come down to Corey Davis being cut or traded, you know, like you have to figure it out. Elijah Moore is, I mean, when he's right, he's good. It's just a matter of getting him right. And we haven't seen that at all this year. And Uzama and Conklin are two solid tight ends. It's it's everything is in the offensive line because you hope Brees gets back and you hope he's good. You hope that Zonovan sticks. You hope that Michael Carter figures it out again next year under a better offensive line, right? So like it all comes back to the offensive line for me. It all that's that's where it all comes back to. Uh, so hey,
0: we could we could always draft Bijan Robinson that way. If when Brees, when Brees Hall gets hurt, then we have another Brees Hall, and then we can just <laughs> we'll just run, and then we would have never had a drop off this season. Even though I'm sure Brees Hall could break tackles five yards behind the line of scrimmage and make it right. a 30 yard play, even that's, though there's two defensive tackles on him. Like I, right. I'm sure I'm sure that's that's a that's the only thing that changed our offense was Brees Hall going down. I mean it's. And he continue. he would continue to average five yards after contact in week week sixteen and fifteen like he was doing in right. week five.
1: It's 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 weird to me, Sliz, that that's been like you joke, but the the fact that people are trying to like draw that parallel and people in in much more revered positions than I, right? And, and people in much with much larger platforms than I say, listen, man, Brees went down and all of a sudden the offense went in the crap, or like, dude, like get real. Like, this is like, this is uh, whatever. I, I don't even want to bring up numbers, but a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money to have opinions like that and be on national TV and talk about uh, and talk about uh, stadium food a lot and Marvel movies. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway. All right, so uh, I think that'll do it for the runway rundown because there's only so much I can take. But let's move on to a new segment that we're debuting today called Heat Seekers. Now, we're not in the hot takes business. If you've listened to this podcast this far, you know that that's not what we do. But, you know, we got we got some uh, some heat seeking missile takes that are that are ready to be unleashed. And I already know that I'm going to regret mine.
0: Let let me let me skip ahead of you with one. since We're basically just talking about it. Go for it. AVT. And and I've been very critical of AVT. I've been very critical of Brees. Just the process behind the picks. Right. AVT was a much, much, much bigger loss than Brees Hall was in terms Mm of our run game, especially right no. just it, like everyone's been been kind of romanticizing looking back at the the denver run right it's like if you look avt's like escorting them 50 yards downfield like right a, losing avt cha- fundamentally changed how we ran our run game and and we talked about that on here where her big can't move he can't pull the same way right. avt can um that that was a massive loss right and and bree Don't get me wrong. Brees was very, very good this year. He was explosive and he was putting it together. But I think we've seen in the back half of the season and just in in general watching football, running back is so dependent on everything around him. Yeah. And AVT clearing the path is more impactful than Brees hitting the second level. You can't hit the second level and run past guys if you can't get there.
1: Right. You know maybe, what, maybe
0: I, not hot, but in the face of what's been circulating, I'm I'm saying that it's hot. <laughs> it's
1: reasonable. It's reasonable. Hold on before I, before I let mine loose, I gotta I gotta just do this again because I already know that I'm gonna regret everything I'm about to say. So let me just take a take
0: a quick quick swing of this. Are you are you on two fingers,
1: three fingers? <laughs> <sighs> How many are on my right hand? Anyway, so i thought about this a lot, and this is very much a New York sports radio take. This is something you'd hear on WFAN. But I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna regret. I know I'm gonna regret putting this out. And I know if Spencer's listening to this, Sp- Spencer's gonna absolutely excoriate me for this take. The first domino that fell in the Jets in and, and the way that they finished the season was benching Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. Like I'd say
0: I'd say it was when they benched him. Uh, as much as the fact that they right, did it.
1: So here's the thing. Zach Wilson was not very good in the first half this season, right? We all know that. When he returned from the injury and he came back. He played, I don't know how many times you have to say it, we, he played against some of the toughest secondaries in the NFL, right? It's not, not, an easy, not an easy path to walk, number one. Benching Zach Wilson was about Robert Sala saving his locker room more than it was about saving his season. Period. That's all it was about. I don't think this was it was a move about, okay, well, Zach, Zach needs to be sat down because of his fundamentals, this or that. Like we all can agree that they weren't great. But benching him before you had this string of cupcake defenses was much, much more about, okay, well, Garrett Wilson's gonna show up to the locker room and shiv this guy than it was about saving Zach Wilson's career, period. It was never about that. The second you said it perfectly to to me when I when I bounce this off you, the second that you sacrifice long term vision for short term gain. You've kind of lost your way, and I think that's what Robert Sala did with Zach Wilson. I think that they saw, yes, he was struggling, but he you struggle against a Bill Belichick defense and how many young quarterbacks struggle against a Bill Belichick defense with no run game with nothing happening around him. Right. And he says the stupid thing. Fine. He takes. He apologizes to the team, fine. He gets benched, whatever. Benching him before that Chicago game, when you had the opportunity to head into that game and say to yourself, all right, well, if Zach looks this bad against Chicago, then you can move on and you can sit him down for the rest of the year and nobody would think twice about it. Right? But they benched him instead. And that was the moment that for me, I understand they won that Chicago game, but that was the moment for me that things started to turn. So that's my hot take. I mean, I know people won't agree with it, but it's, it's just like in my gut, I I wonder to myself, like, what if they just kept rolling them out there? What if they kept playing them? And I know white had that 315 yard smoke and mirrors game versus the bears that had everybody saying, Oh, he's QB one now, you know, which was nonsense. But I don't know, man. I just like, like I said, you sacrifice long term vision long term plan for short term gain and it, it just never felt right it never sat right with me so yeah, call I me mean, an apologist call <laughs> me, call me an apologist call me you know with nuts call me whatever you want to call call me but like i i just i look at this season and i see the way that they bench sack and they handle that situation and it just makes me wonder what if so there's that
0: yeah kind of it, it's it's so hard man like in general, I agree, right? Like, on this pod, I said they should start Zach Wilson against the Bears for X, Y, Z reason, and a lot of that was for, you know, hey, the, if we make the playoffs, that's nice, but you need long-term answers, right? We have, we really still don't know. You probably right. have answers, but they're probably not good ones. But, right. like, Zach's comments in the post-game presser felt like like, like i kind of dismissed that that was it and i still don't think that was it but it's like i think that actually moved the me- needle a lot more than i thought it did in terms mm-hmm. of having a, a reactionary move um i don't know man like in general i agree with you i i do think there was merit to hey we need to try to salvage the season we need to push but i mean like like you said when when you float this by me it's like this this year, right? You laid out. Hey, most people had a seven, eight wins tops this year. You're hoping for an upward arrow year. A lot of that hinged on Zach Wilson being part of that upward arrow, and and having a cheap rookie contract quarterback with an upward arrow going into year three. Is that's like the formula, right? That's part of the vaunted capitalize on the rookie window, rookie contract, right? And we we didn't even really let it try to get there right we right. Uh, it's like you you saw playoffs you saw a, an absolute dumpster fire of a game right absolute mm-hmm. wor- worst game he's played um and then you just hey we got to switch gear we got to get mike white in there but it's like man and and i i don't think it's re- like it's not revisionist we've been out on mike white from the get go like There's so much he's put on tape that is just not good. That is so limited. And can he be your backup and win one or two games like Gardner Minshew? Yeah. Do you want that guy starting for 16, 17 games and trying to lead your franchise? Probably not. Right. And there's a lot of quarterbacks like that are on the league. Um, It, it, what, what made it extra hard is then when Mike white does get injured, like, the whole house of cards totally collapses, right? right? It's like Joe Flacco's an albatross. Like, he can't do anything. You don't... You're you're trying not to play him at all costs, right? right? The second you yanked Zach, we clearly saw putting him out there, especially at home. Like, he... It doesn't matter. Like, nothing mattered other than the fact... Like, there is no way he's going to play well. You can tell he's just mentally broken. Right. He has no confidence... He's either overthinking or underthinking everything. And it, it just, it spiraled down the tube. So it's like, in general, people probably disagree, but.
1: No, they um, absolutely do. It's fine. It's fine. That's what makes it a hot take, right? But like, it, it just the second that you go back to Zach, I don't want to say that he was indifferent, but it was just clear that like, that wasn't the plan that they set for him. It, like it, if they it, wanted him to sit down the rest of the season, and really figure his crap out. And then putting him back in that situation, like he wasn't going to fix his footwork. He wasn't going to fix his mechanics. He wasn't going to fix the way that he reads defenses in three weeks. We all knew that. Everybody knew that. So
0: it, it felt too soon, given yeah. the the string of opponents upcoming, right. where you figure even with a crappy Zach performance, we can beat that Bears team with a backup quarterback with all the injuries we had and you figure even with a good performance we probably still lose to that Vikings team and potentially the, the Bills right so it's right. like i i and it it is easy to go back and question it now as we sit and see what the outcome was but it's like you wish you would have given them a chance to work through it right. and and now it feels like there's no shot that he can ever play in new york just cuz the confidence is shattered the fan base has no belief in them coaching staff it, it feels hard for them to have belief in them even though they always say that they'll outwardly say they do right it's like you're just throw and we've we've seen this with other quarterbacks that we've had over recent years too where we just like shatter them right um yeah it's it's tough man
1: yeah all right so let's hit, hit me with you just uh kind of alluded to it with this offseason but hit me with your heat seeker i'm yeah I'm not sure i agree with you but i i'm curious your thoughts here
0: so uh, I've been like everyone running through off season scenarios and, and I've been, I've been, I've been forewarning about this off season since our free agent spending spree last year, since the Tyree kill almost trade where I sa- was saying, I don't know how we would have afforded Tyree kill and, and realistically fielded a competitive roster. And my take is this upcoming off season is going to set the franchise back three years. And there's a couple components to that one. We don't really have cap space. And I know if you look at over the cap and it shows us, Oh, we have like middle of the pack cap space. We have, we have, we have so few holes filled on this roster going. We have so many free agencies Almost all of our offensive line starters and depth are free agents. Um, We have no zero quarterbacks that you're paying that you feel good about. And oh, even if you trade Zach and get draft capital back, you're losing additional cap in order to trade him. I don't feel good about the staff moving on from CJ Mosley. You expect the pay cut, but you still expect them to make a good amount of money. I don't expect them to move on from Lakin Tomlinson, who, by the way, is going to be a $17 million cap hit next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And, oh, by the way, we don't have two drafts worth of capital this year like we have the previous two, right? And even then, like 2022 draft return, like we're not going to be picking two in the top 10. And even for picking two in the top 10, like we got – well above year one expectation in terms of right. our draft picks this year, right? And I, I think any veteran that we trade for, I know Derek Carr is the big, the hot, popular one, and and maybe this takes mostly centered around a Derek Carr trade, sending capital and paying that contract for a quarterback that I don't think is good enough to get us over the hump. If you if you run back this roster and run back Derek Carr. We're a first round playoff by ceiling or, or first round, sorry, first round playoff bounce ceiling, right? The does this roster with carr compete with Joe Burrow? Does it compete with Josh Allen? Does it compete with Pat McHolmes? Probably not. You have Trevor Lawrence coming up in the division. I like you have wherever Lamar Jackson ends up, probably still in Baltimore. But I don't know, man. It feels like and and maybe it's more centered around this. I, I think everyone, fans, ownership, probably J.D. and Saul themselves included, understand that this is kind of, it feels it feels very much like a make-or-break offseason. And desperate men sometimes make short-sighted decisions. We've seen this time and time again with lame duck GMs, head coaches, etc. Our, our guys aren't lame duck, but especially to clear cap we're gonna have to restructure and push cap in order to con. like people don't understand how much money we spent last year because mm-hmm. a lot like last year we spent all of last year's cap which was a lot we we're near the top of the league in cap space and we spent almost all of this year's cap too like we spent a lot last year and you were banking on Fielding a competitive enough roster in 2022 to allow all your young pieces to develop, and then those young pieces to to carry the load with plug in one to two to three holes via one or two impact free agents and then draft class right. We we have a lot of holes across the board. We have a lot of holes, a lot more than we anticipated having. And in order to if it's playoffs or bust, we need to mortgage the future in order to overcompensate in the short term because of the misses being the entire 2020 and 2021 draft classes for the most part um, being our quarterback, being a lot of our free agent signings. And if, if it's not, you, you said it earlier, man, if it's not and it, you're never going to have a perfect hundred percent, you know, one Oh Oh off season. But if it's not darn near close, man, it it the wheels can fall off quick.
1: You can get dicey. You can get dicey. And the thing is, like the whole Derek Carr thing, that's going to be a hot topic until whatever happens with Derek Carr happens. But I I think for me, the question you have to ask yourself is is the first question is is he worth the money? And the answer is no, probably not. But the second question you have to ask yourself is, because we hear about the San Francisco model and and essentially being 49ers East, right? If you think Derek Carr is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what everybody wanted, is that necessarily a bad thing, right? And I think Carr is better than Garoppolo. I don't think there's there's much there to refute that, but at his price point, at what you're going to have to give up to get him, and limiting what you can and want to do with this offense, right? You're talking rolling guys out, you know, playing. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, it's it's the one that's going to keep being attached to the Jets all off season. It's what everyone is going to want to want, but I don't know. The the thing
0: is, you give up mult. You give up multiple assets, right, right? In order to do it, you're not only paying Car thirty whatever million you're also sending a second-round pick at least and then some more than mm-hmm. likely. Um, that's a lot, man. Yeah, That's a lot yep. for a roster with a lot of holes and yep. not a ton of capital beyond that.
1: Yep.
0: Go, gun to your head, who, who's our uh, – and we'll probably do this exercise a million times throughout the offseason. Gun to, gun to your head, who, who's our Who's our starting QB in 2023?
1: I'll let you know when we do the offseason recap podcast about that for a Cliffhanger. <laughs> And we start paying people for this podcast. No, just kidding. That won't happen. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I I really don't know. I just to to put a bow on this discussion. It's like, I I hope that Douglas exercises an offseason and caution and patience. That's what I hope. I hope that he doesn't make any rash decisions. I hope he doesn't make any desperate decisions. Because this team was, to be fair, record and collapse aside, which you kind of can't take away. This team wasn't the playoff hunt until week seventeen, right? So ideally, in another year where the AFC will presumably be a bit weaker, maybe you have a better shot. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Gun to my head, I, I mean, I, I think it's Carr. I mean, that's the only name that makes sense. But I, I hope that Douglas exercises an off season and and patience because. Trying to kickstart this thing and make and make moves that'll mortgage the future in twenty twenty four and beyond. It's again, it's just going to set us back, and I think we're right there. I really do. It's just, it's going to take an off season. It's going to take a Herculean off season to get to that point. So,
0: hey, I got a, I got a not Jets related one, but put it in the predictions channel this morning. I heard the logic on a podcast yesterday. Uh, I'll steal their credit a little bit, but it made way too much sense to not buy in. Well, Mar Jackson in 2023 will be an Atlanta Falcon.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Not and a bad idea.
0: it'll, it'll kick off the QB carousel.
1: Hmm. Kind of hoping for Jordan love. Cause I think that would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. We, I don't know if it would be good, that. but it would be fun. Yeah. We've kind of had some of that discussion. If you're going to take, if you're going to take a shot at QB in the offseason, at least make it a fun one. Like what we're, say, what you, no matter what, what happens him with him? Jordan love, it'll be fun.
1: Right. What do you send him a fourth? Does that make sense? A third?
0: The there's no, I feel like they gotta ask for more. I we talked about it last time, right? I, I have no idea what if anything is like. We have no idea what it what he is, what his value is. It's like if Green Bay is selling, you don't feel good about it. But on the other right. hand, it's like it's probably one of the better upside options. Right. The Contract situation's weird. Whole thing's weird, man.
1: Right? I don't know. Take a shot. Take a swing. Why not? Who cares? Nothing matters. All right. So let's move on to the Jet Fuel Therapy Cash. We open up the doors to our office this week. So let's do some some rapid fire therapy points here. George Orr leads us off. Uh, there is no therapy. I would honestly just cancel the podcast. Uh, sorry, George Orr, we did not do that, obviously. Also, you spelled there wrong. It's T-H-E-R-E, but I would expect nothing less from you, my friend. So uh, thank you, George Orr. I, I hope you're doing well. Hope you had a happy New Year. All right. Jose Fienders asks, who are you? Who are each of your ideal QBs for us next year? Um, I mean, if we're talking in an ideal world, uh like the perfect scenario would be Zach Wilson takes his head out of his rear end, fixes his footwork, and all of a sudden looks like the dude in year three. But since we're going through an offseason, I I I I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Because the options to me aren't overly appealing. Like Lamar Jackson's that dude. I don't think there's much debating, but he's not going anywhere. Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old, and even he'll tell you that he didn't play his best this year. Well, he won't tell you that, but he didn't play his best this year. And it's anybody who's who's seen him play, even on this hot streak, his decision making has been has taken a major hit. He's thrown 11 interceptions this year, which is very unlike him. And I know he's playing with a broken thumb, but you know it is what it is. They're not going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo because they're not going to invest the money into him, and he's always hurt. And the last thing that I think Joe Douglas wants is more injury issues at the at that position. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know who my ideal quarterback. I just – I the options aren't appealing to me. Maybe C.J. Stroud. I don't know. I don't even like C.J. Stroud that much. So I don't know. so let's, who's yours?
0: I think it's Jimmy G.
1: I don't think they pay him.
0: I, th- I think it's the the easiest. I think it's the I think it's the most conservative swing while still here here. I I think Zach Wilson's on the roster next year. Yes, which that I agree. Um, And I think Jimmy G's the cleanest, the cleanest move that audibles into that still being an option. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's the safest long term option. Uh,
1: Jimmy, what does he get? Two years, thirty two million dollars
0: uh if it was only that I would love it I, I think he probably gets around twenty plus
1: you think with his injury history i mean he had a really good year this year I don't know man we'll it's, see it's scary, i i think it's scary.
0: i think it's got to be Jimmy mostly because I don't want to trade picks for a guy who probably doesn't move the me- needle too much more than jimmy
1: i I just don't see who's gonna give him twenty million dollars like when you look at the quarterback needy teams heading into next year
0: I wish I car. had it handy because I wrote them all out yesterday. Well, I, I, I don't think it'd be area. the Falcons. It's like it's like the entire NFC South, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The does um, if Carr gets traded, does Las Vegas?
1: Damn. No, because because Brady's going there. He's, he's
0: not he's going, going to San to Francisco.
1: No, he's going to Vegas. Okay, he's going to Vegas. He's not going to San Francisco. Yeah.
0: Uh, It'll be it'll be a very fun offseason with like last year's QB carousel was was awesome. This year will be Mm -hmm. fun, too. It just sucks being part of it this year. (laughs)
1: Uh, Nilton asks, uh, realistically, which assistants gets fired uh, and your ideal replacements for them? I mean, I feel like Rob Calabrese has got to go. Right. I feel like he's the most obvious. He's a guy that it's unfair to him because he walked into a situation that he wasn't Expecting to walk into with the death of Greg Knapp, and all of a sudden you're in this position along with with uh, John Beck halfway through Zach's rookie season that you have to be like the fact of quarterback coach. But the fact that they haven't been able to hammer out Zach's his mechanics, his footwork, like that stuff falls on the Q- QB co- QB coach. That's the that's the wild turkey talking. Uh, that that falls on the QB coach more than it does anybody else, right? Because that's what they're there for. They're there for your mechanics. They're there for your your footwork for your drills that's what they're there so uh, that that's the most that's the one that makes most sense to me i I don't know who else you would fire i don't see them firing the floor unless woody johnson gets involved i don't see them uh making any major changes to the staff so we'll see
0: yeah i mean some it feels like something has to change on offense right that I think you laid out maybe the uh the low-hanging fruit maybe the wide receiver coach especially with him being in legal trouble maybe our offensive line coach with the inconsistency there and him having his own his own spat of trouble last year right off the field so I mean those are those are probably the three guys I'll look at I'm with you I don't think Michael Fleur gets fired and and I think people over are overstating how much that would actually fix if we did it. Yeah. It's like, who do you hire in his place? Mm-hmm. Frank Reich's probably like, I don't you know. know like- I, I would love Frank Reich to come as a QB coach. Like he's probably not coming not, here. Right. He has right. no relation to the staff. It's a demotion. It's quite frankly, a crappy job. Cause you come in and if you don't fix the offense, like, in a year you're getting fired you're getting dumped with the staff right you're getting dumped with this coaching staff i also don't think that solo like him and michael LaFleur have come up together like it it feels like solo is gonna if he's gonna go down he's gonna go down with his boys Mm -hmm. like that's just my impression um like i I thought of this I, i think in the drive on the way to work this morning like realistically like is the the name out there that makes the most sense if you fire michael flirt nathaniel hackett like what so like the shanahan tree has gotten so gutted you're either grabbing like some peon like like literally whatever title you gave me in the intro right like assistant (laughs) quality control
1: quality control coach (laughs)
0: like (laughs) you're either grabbing like that guy from a year ago right who's doing whatever Who's making shanahan's coffee right now or you're grabbing a guy that's like adjacent to the scheme that that's available. And like Nathaniel Heckett's that he was in green Bay with Matt Lafleur. He's available. Like th- does anyone want that? I doubt it. Right. right? It's I, I don't, I don't know. You either that are trying to grab some hot shot college guy. And uh, then you're changing the entire scheme. You have all these mm-hmm. pieces we brought in for the scheme that aren't really going to change.
1: Right.
0: It, it just, it it feels like everything we did with Sam if we change offensive coordinator again, yeah. right? Where you didn't even let the scheme mature. You didn't let the pieces mature in the scheme. It it feels like I'd rather go down with it next year than try to change it and fall flat.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you, Sliz. And, and the thing is, like, if the offense looks bad next year and they're generally non-competitive, even with a really good defense everybody's fired anyway yep. right like if they don't make the playoffs so like to change it now the timing is just weird right it just wouldn't make sense so i don't know it's uh we'll we'll see because i do think changes are coming i just don't think it's going to help as much like you said help as much as as people think uh fire day jd aka spencer asks possible replacements for joe douglas next offseason and zach wilson sucks uh Not not a conversation I'm willing to entertain yet, to be honest, because I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, if we're talking twenty after the 2023 seat, like Douglas isn't a lame duck GM. He's just not like he's not. I don't think he's going into this year with the idea that he's going to be fired after like it's just they're giving him time. They're giving him time and they're giving him patience, and it's really going to depend what's going to happen with Salah because. If, if Woody Johnson loves Salah, and I know Jason Lock and Fora had this report that he's not sold, whatever, I don't buy that. But if Woody likes Salah and Christopher Johnson likes Salah, and they fire Douglas, and they're giving Sala an opportunity to essentially pick his guy, right, at, at general manager. And when that happens, you're probably picking from that San Francisco organization, right? So, I I don't know, man. I, I mean you're going to pick a guy. The funny thing is like, are you picking from Howie Roseman from underneath Howie Roseman? Cause that's where you got Douglas right with Philadelphia. So like, it's yeah. not as easy. It's not as easy as just looking at an organization and saying, Oh, well, this organization is good. Let's pick that guy to run it. Like, it's yeah. just not, it's not that easy.
0: I don't really delve into the front offices, so I don't know, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's something to, so I like if we're cleaning house, we're gonna clean house, top the bottom. It's all gonna be at once, man. Like, right. and, and it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen till after twenty twenty three at the soonest. So, right. and but and so- hopefully, I think we've learned to do it the right way. Hire the GM. Let the GM hire his coach, so on and so forth. Right. But- and
1: listen, I I generally think they've both done a good job. Like, I know that this this recent run of ineptitude really sucks because they're missing the playoffs again, and you thought that things were finally changing, but. Douglas, I think, has done a good job, and and if nothing else, he certainly put the organization in a better spot for the next GM to figure stuff out. It'll be a much smoother transition than what Douglas had to walk into. And I think Robert Sale is a good coach. I'm sorry, like I I just think he's a good coach because think of think of all of the landmines they sidestepped this year. Everything was Zach. Which listen, we've made our thoughts known, but I think he handled the media firestorm around that well. Everything that happened with Elijah Moore, again, I think he handled that well. Everything with Becton in preseason, he's handled that well. And even in this losing streak, like you don't really hear like the media coming after him, right? Like you would with an Adam Gase or a Rex Ryan. So uh, I don't know. I think they've done a good job, but it's just one man's opinion. So uh, Nilton asked another one. In hindsight, how insane was it to have almost no experience on the offensive side of the ball Kyle Shanahan himself had a pass game coordinator and a run game coordinator. Who do we blame? I don't think it's any one thing. There's not one person to blame. Um, I I just don't. Like I said, it's a team football's a team game. I know people hate hearing that, especially in this market because everybody needs a scapegoat. Right. But uh, the funny thing is uh, Shanahan had himself a pass game coordinator who was Michael for and a run game coordinator who was Mike McDaniel. So um. Interesting to see uh, how how they kind of figure that out. But how insane was it? Pretty insane, to be honest, looking back at it. But Knapp was supposed to be your guy. The fact that they didn't really try and rectify that until they brought in John Beck last year to be Zach's quarterback coach. I don't know. It was weird. Weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, you blame the head coach, right? If you're going to blame someone, it's the head coach. But it's hard to fault them, though. (laughs) I, I don't know it's hard they tried to rectify it they brought in like you said they brought him back they brought in the uh there's another other qb coach former Jack qb coach yeah, they brought into right but um like they tried a couple different things It Cap- just kavanaugh Matt Cavanaugh. yeah kavanaugh that's what it was like it was they, they the tried they they tried a couple things and like just didn't Like clearly last year was too many cooks in the kitchen. And then this year they just tried, Hey, scale it back. Let's use our guys. And yeah, I lack of experience is showing up. This is where, you know, kind of the guys pining for, uh, for a Doug Peterson, for a Brian Dable, those guys that have been around the block a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, this is maybe where that lends some credence more, even more so than, than, like a hotshot upstart offensive coordinator, right? That's mm-hmm. where, like, if you look at and and we we did that back in the original coaching search. Like, Brian Dable has been around a lot of coaching oh, staffs yeah. in a lot of roles on the offensive side of the ball, right? That that really has shown up for him this year in that situation, right? And it's on the flip side, it's our lack of experience has shown up, so. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Vid stuff asks one of our favorites, love Vid stuff. Uh, he asks, "Do we think Calabrese gets fired?" I think we just we just covered that. I think it's a strong possibility. I I, I know that Sala wanted to keep kind of a lot of these guys in the staff, like Sala was just kind of giving them an opportunity, right? A lot of these guys, and I think generally speaking, we were okay with the offensive staff that they put together, just the staff in general that they they put together. But if there's anybody who's the axe is going to fall on, I think it's going to be him. So. Um yeah, I don't know. I just don't I don't know where they turn to quarterback coach after that, you know, because it's an important spot for this organization, especially if Zach's going to be on the bench next year, which I think he will be. Um we'll see.
0: Well, I I will say the majority of teams in the NFL can use an upgrade at offensive line coach and quarterback coach. (laughs) Right. Like it's not it's not a position where there's guys just floating out there, man. So it, it does make it harder to see you know every move if you're going to make the move you need to have at least at least a sidestep alternative where you're hoping that the you know the new perspective lens credence there but you need at least a sidestep i don't know that there's a lot of sidesteps out there
1: right all right so let's move on to around the league in roughly 60 seconds now a little bit different this week because of the tragic on-field incident that happened with demar hamlin bill safety on monday night football so as as someone who covers sports as someone who's been in locker rooms who has a a little bit different view of an athlete than i think most have getting to be around athletes when they're you know in the locker room before a game or after practice and speaking with them and just seeing they're just dudes right most of these guys are just dudes that just love playing the game when i watch that my heart no pun intended. And this might be insensitive. Like my heart stopped. Like I, I just seeing the way that he it, it was sickening. It really was. And the first thing you think is head injury, right? That, that because he gets back up and he just collapses. Right? And we saw with two of this year. We've seen it with countless players the head injuries. Um, I hope he pulls through. To see the way that the community has really come together, and. The NFL fandom, you know, teams across the league. It's a dangerous game these guys play, man. And it was a seemingly routine tackle. And anything can go wrong. Anything can go wrong. I think the last update was that he's at 50% breathing capacity, which is certainly a good thing considering most of us were fearing the worst on Monday night into Tuesday and, and all day Tuesday. But here's to Damar Hamlin. I, I, raised my, I raised my glass to you. I hope you pull through and you know whether or not football is in your future just know that we appreciate the fact that you put your body on the line to entertain everybody and to play for your teammates and that's all you can ask for from a professional athlete
0: not much more to add than that man i agree yeah it's it's scary stuff and we've seen it like just sports in general we've seen it like what popped into my mind was the um christian erickson in the euro cup mm-hmm. what two years ago now right one year mm-hmm. ago like Man, it stuff is scary. And and it's like you could see the emotion, the expression just on those teammates' faces. Like they they got to the right outcome through mm-hmm. all the steps of what to do, how to handle the situation. I know people give absolutely everyone a ton of flack, whether it's the NFL, whether it's ESPN, the referees, the coaches, whoever. I think the 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 process that they went through, I think, was fine. They got to right. the right they got to the right outcome, and right. and and ultimately, the important thing was they immediately did what they they could to help him. Right, the right. other stuff you sort out. You got time to sort it out. Right. Um. So we'll we'll see what happens. At, at the end of the day, the game the game doesn't matter that much. Right. Right. So we'll we'll see where it goes. You just hope. Hope everything works out all right with them, man.
1: Outside of the NFL's five-minute you know, window to warm up for these guys, I think everybody handled it well. ESPN, I think, did a really good job, and I'm hypercritical of ESPN. Uh, I mean, I did need to see, see Stephen A. Smith inject his opinion late in the night, but Scott Van Pelt, Booger McFarlane doing an excellent job. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who get a lot of unnecessary hate, like they handled the situation perfectly. Everybody, top to bottom. When when these and I I mean this when I say this when there's like, I, I joke around with you obviously and I joke around with a lot of people, but when it comes time to being like a journalism 101 sports reporter and these situations kind of break and you have an opportunity to report on something, that comes through a lot of time. Except for the carnies, which brings me to this week's geek of the week, Skip Bayless. I understand that sports media and sports in general is entertainment. Skip Bayless is making like $20 million a year to be a jackass on national television. I understand his tweet, what he was saying last night, saying, oh, well, it all feels so irrelevant now. But you can't have it both ways, my guy. You can't in one tweet say, how can the NFL do like, you know, I know that they, the NFL has to reschedule this game or have to play this game, but how? And then in the same breath say. It all seems so irrelevant now. If that's the case, and I understand you get paid to have a take, just keep your mouth shut. Like, period. There's no reason to inject yourself. Like, I didn't tweet anything about the situation. Like, not everything needs a take. Bart Scott tried to blame T. Higgins for the tackle today that that put him in the hospital. Like, bro, get real. What, is th- this is where we're at. Where with sports media, where everybody needs to take, and I understand like people turn on Skip Bayless, and I hope that they they understand that Skip Bayless is a gimmick, right? He's not a real person anymore. He's living. He's living a gimmick. He's Ric Flair. But there's still a time and a place for these things. So, and and you put here to list to the Gamble Bros. and the fa- fantasy fan, the fi- the Final Fantasy, the fantasy football people. Well, Final Fantasy people are nerds too. Those are geeks too, but different kinds. But everybody who's talking about their fantasy team and what this means for fantasy and like what this does for gambling and my parlay and this and that. Like,
0: dude, no one cares about real. your five dollar parlay, dude. <laughs> oh
1: my god! Like, get real. Like, it just it's gross to me, you know. And and thankfully, I feel like we saw let's say ninety five percent of the of of the reaction yesterday was an outpouring of love and support for Hamlin, which is which is good, but time and a place man time and a place
0: yeah i i mean the the two two thoughts i'll share kind of riding off that like like you said not everything needs a take Mm and in in general like it's one thing to like have an active discussion about it and i think we do a pretty good job in discord like something like this happens you have a discussion about it right you're but like when you're just tweeting something out you're doing that for yourself
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know like you don't need to tweet something out like we're all thinking the same thing you're tweeting out something for yourself to get engagement for yourself right, right? that's number one number two like and i even though i just complimented the discord like man people on in general and social media and, and this is true everywhere like you don't need to scrape for the worst possible takes you can find and broadcast (laughs) them to your entire audience. Like we do not need to do this. Like I don't care about the the crappy takes. Do not show them to me. Do not share them. No one needs to see them. It's pointless. You're just getting everyone upset or mad or giving that person, the intention they're looking for.
1: You know, and the thing that kills me is like so many of the, like skip this is one thing where he's got millions of followers, but like, you see the takes from people with like two followers on twitter and it's like why are we sharing this like what's yeah. the point you know it's just stupid.
0: yeah they're they're grabbing the take from this dude like 20 scrolls down in the replies <laughs> and it's like what turn off your phone like right. turn off the game just check you know check in see how it's doing read a book like get your mind like don't just <laughs> sit and wallow in it and then stew it like yeah, yeah i don't know man yeah, It uh, yeah. that's i could i could i don't know maybe that maybe that's a, a our spinoff pod where we talk about real life but man <laughs> so social media is it it's brutal man it's yeah. absolutely brutal
1: yeah all right so let's let's make this quick make wild turkey once again let's make this one click quick click quick, quick my god i had like half a drink What's wrong with me
0: we we better lose. Here, I'll, I'll be really quick. We we better lose, man, because this is going to be a classic Jets, me, absolutely meaningless victory. Where the head coach goes up on the podium and says, "This was a good win for our guys. We we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna have Zach starting. I, I can mm. guarantee you, it's gonna be Mike White." And, and, and I think that's the right decision. And I know people say Mike White's clearly hurt. Like Mike White is playing for a contract and Sala Sala has said himself, it's his job to help get his guys paid playing Mm -hmm. Mike White to allow, allow him to show that this four turnover worthy play game that he just had where he looked awful. Isn't Mike White. Um, So Mike White's going to play like, we're not going to learn anything about quarterback or Hopefully we see something from a whole bunch of backups. You know, we got to see a couple of the guys in the, the last drive or two of the Seahawks game. Um, get some of the young guys out there. Winning takes our draft position from probably 11-12 down to probably 16-17. Yeah. And five spots isn't large. But go look at some draft boards. Go look at previous drafts. And look at Look at the tackle quality at around pick eleven ten versus the tackle quality in the high teens there is a mm-hmm. stark drop off right like it, it it could be the difference between getting our left tackle of the future or not or if we're feeling really frisky going down to 17 probably takes us out of qb trade-up range mm-hmm. or slipping qb range right justin fields got picked at 11 let's not forget yep. so um and he he was right
1: there yeah
0: he he was he he in his three of ten performance against (laughs) one of the worst defenses in the league and yeah um more more sex than completions but um (laughs) but (laughs) dude you totally derailed me Uh, (laughs) i mean just in general man like it, it feels like a game we're inevitably going to win just on right. our, the merits of our defense. And like that, that Miami team is totally gutted. I There's no world in which they should play Tua mm-hmm. um, just for if, if nothing else for the optics of it, right they're they're effectively eliminated. They, there's no reason they should play Tua man. Right. Like both teams shut it down. I wish we could, I wish we could just, Forfeit not count it and move on Like yeah. there's so little good to come out Of this game and and I, Like it's not going to hurt Miami's draft position they don't have A draft pick right? It, right it literally only Hurt us
1: right Yeah I mean I would like to lose this game first Time I've said this all season not So I could take a victory victory lap but you Know the higher draft pick the better especially when you're Eliminated right so uh, The one thing I'll say that we didn't Really touch on in the runway rundown And and we're running out of time here so we'll make it quick, but Mike White played like Mike White on Sunday. People don't want to hear that or they don't want to see that. And,
0: but and, and not even just Gardner Minshew also played like Gardner Minshew. Like right. these guys
1: are like they're backups for this is a what reason, they right? The thing about Mike White and we've been saying it on this podcast list is like, what's his number one weakness? Is throwing outside the numbers, right? It's always been his accuracy outside the numbers. One throw where he stepped up and hit Tyler Conklin outside the numbers and stride is, does not absolve him of that. And what did Seattle's defense do? They made him throw outside the numbers pretty frequently. So when you take away the middle of the field and you take away the shorts, like this is who he is. And he also threw the two interceptions, which he's been flirting with for a while. So um, I, I don't know. I just like, don't get embarrassed. I guess if you lose on if you lose on a field goal, like I don't want to go into the off season like just thinking about this, man. You know, if you lose on a field goal in overtime, fine, whatever. If you lose at the end of regulation, fine, whatever. Just don't like give up a punt return touchdown to lose the game or like nothing like that. What, what about
0: a meaningless Elijah McGuire touchdown? Elijah Moore. Four- no, Elijah McGuire oh, okay. going back okay. to well, however many years ago. Oh, when Todd, yeah. Todd Bowles actually goes for it on fourth down. We get a meaningless uh-huh. touchdown to draw, blow our draft position.
1: Uh-huh. So Yeah,
0: so. we don't need that. We don't need that so. yeah, Ty, Ty Johnson's going to have a career game.
1: All
0: right. Because <laughs> hey, he it doesn't matter.
1: Way. He was looking that way on Sunday, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind?
0: yeah man spent a lot of the weekend cleaning straightening and reorganizing so we're we're full on i think i mentioned it maybe last time full on uh baby prep mode getting the rooms ready getting nice. so we're moving my daughter into a new room yeah she's still in the nursery we're gonna get that decked out with a second crib and all that Dude, i'm having so much fun shopping decorating like getting this new room set up it is a good time so just wanted to, I mean, not Sesame. much more, not, not much more to it than that. haven't I? got this sweet paid way too much for a uh, Sesame street, like toddler bed um, throw. It It's, it's pretty sweet, man.
1: Nice. Yeah. The so. baby stuff starting to roll in on our end. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. We got it. We had to buy like a little bin. To put all the pre-baby stuff in. So we got like some onesies. We got the first toy. It's like a little rattle. Nice. It's great. Like it's like every time my wife shakes the rattle, it makes me smile a little bit. So that's exciting. But oh yeah. Uh to that end, the holidays are over, man. Time to get back to work. And I'm still stuck in holiday brain. And and some of that is because I worked on New Year's Day and I worked on Christmas. So it's like I'm I'm a little out of sorts right now. Uh, but time to get back to work, you know. Time to turn that off and just, just get back to it. Easier said than done. Uh, stacked up on video games, right? Nice. This, this holiday season, so I got like, got the new Pokemon game. I got uh, Callisto Protocol. Nice. I got uh, Evil West that I'm planning to play with a friend of mine who listens to this podcast. So shout out Zach. We don't usually name drop, but Zach. Um, and I also got one other game, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. I got that, so I'll be playing that at some point. But stacking up until I have no more time as a father, so uh, it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, fun.
0: enjoy it while you can, because then it turns to to one hour a night where you have to split between <laughs> four hobbies, and, and yeah. you got to pick one. so yeah. <laughs> Like
1: podcasting, like podcast. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. And, and my last landing strip thought here: slits, Under Armour. Right, I I love Under Armour. You see me wearing this Under Armour hoodie. Most of my workout stuff is Under Armour. Even my loungewear is Under Armour. Um, they got to fix their sizing, though, man. Like. I got, like, thunder thighs. I got these really thick legs, right? Powerful legs. And, you know, some say fat, but whatever. Uh, but I got these big legs, and and their size extra large shorts do not fit my legs properly. And it drives me insane. Like, if I buy an XL and Nike, I've, I'm totally good. Like, I got space in the front, back, all around, everywhere I got space. Anywhere else I buy, like, an extra large or even a large in some cases, I'm good. But Under Armour? Can't do it. Can't do it. It's it's bizarre. Like I I'm scared of standing up because I think I ripped these shorts. But whatever.
0: I'm wearing an Under Under Armour hoodie right now, and yeah, it's it's a weird. This one particular is a weird proportion hoodie. I don't know what it is.
1: It's like there's like the whole athletic fit thing now, which is fine because like slimmer clothes are cool when you're in good shape, right? But with shorts, especially when I go to the gym and I need a little bit of extra room, so I'm not like. Gotta get get deep in the squat, man. Yeah. Right. Good luck with that. Good
0: luck with that. Yeah. I, I forgot, man. Cl ruckers ruining another another number oh, one. Purdue. Seed. Dude, yeah. come on. <laughs> Suck I, it. <laughs> I got distracted like it was like it was in the middle of the second half, and then the, the Monday night game came on, and then everything happened with that. So I totally lost sight of it and looked at it this morning. I was like, come on, not again. Not again. <laughs> right. Just bully ball defense, man. Big Big Ten, Big Ten college ball is is a Steve different Paykel. beast, man.
1: Steve Peichel, pounding nails. So, thanks, John Russell. <sighs> ah, but that'll do it for this week's episode of Jeff Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five star review where applicable. It helps us with something. I don't know why, it, but it helps us. You can find us on Twitter at JetFuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jer Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you?
0: Yep. Find me at SLIZ underscore NYJ. Starting to heat up an activity. Off seasons where we shine, baby.
1: Yes. Uh you could send us an email at jetfuel discord podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can join the Discord. Sliz, where can the people join the Discord?
0: Yeah, Discord.gg slash NYJets. And you know, I kind of alluded to it. We we actually do a lot of um, activities. I don't know how, how else to phrase it. <laughs> During the off season, right? We throughout the off season we eval prospects together. We build out a big board. We do a bunch of mock drafts where everyone takes a team around the NFL and kind of draft from the perspective of that team. You know go through free agent lists, do mock off seasons, all that good stuff. So, yeah, you know, that this is generally this is the time of year where all Jets fans can unite. You know, ho- hope springs eternal in the off season, where we're all trying to figure out the best way to help improve this team. So, um, but,
1: we're all trying to find the best way to cope, is what we're doing. So. Yeah, that, that's true.
0: <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, we got we got to thread the needle, and then what and then when we don't. When JD doesn't do what we wanted him to, <laughs> then we can live on that take the entire season and just be angry. So that's usually uh, the way it works. Yep. If, if you give them two decisions.
1: Listen, man, you could just be like me and never have a take ever. Like I don't do takes anymore. Like this is not my thing. I learned to learn to live it. But until next week for Matt Lord, I am Joe Rivera reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel.